Well, hello, folks. This is Jamie Oichel from RunningRestaurants.com. I am looking forward to this right now. I'm going to do a deep dive with restaurant, uh, into restaurant business with Elliot Schiffer. Elliot is the chief executive officer at Michi Handcrafted Italian, which is a four-unit fast casual chain based out of Denver, Colorado. Schiffer's got a deep past operating, managing, and growing restaurants, and we're going to talk about some of those past positions. But let's get right into this. Elliot, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome, man. I, I, again, I'm really super excited. I want to talk about what you guys are doing, and I'm guessing that you are super excited about what you're doing right now at Michi. Tell, tell me what's going on. Yeah, I've I, uh, never been so excited in my life to be growing a concept and a brand. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're at four locations right now. We are scouting new locations across Colorado and uh, looking to build a franchise business after that. So uh, we're just preparing for these early stages of growth in our business. Such an interesting place to be because it's where a lot of folks want to get to as an operation to have a few locations and then to feel comfortable enough in the systems uh, to grow because a lot of times, you know, one location is too much, two is crazy, three, you want to cut your head off. And but, so you guys, obviously, you're, you're systematized, you're you're getting in, into place, and you're getting ready for growth. What? What what is the kind of the feeling where you're ready to just put the foot on on the pedal and go forward? Um, what's what's going through the the, the company's uh, mindset? Sure, I think that yeah, you, you talk about the system evolution, and uh, certainly there's a lot of heavy lifting that needs to get done between having one restaurant and having ten restaurants. And frankly, we're we're right in the middle of that. And so when I came to the brand uh, six months ago. And I've worked for some extremely systematized concepts. Uh, so Smashburger was one, and then I, I was at Lettuce Entertain You in Chicago, uh, which is a very systematized organization of restaurants. And, uh, you know, the, the business as it stands today, we've got I, – I'd say that we're about halfway there in terms of our systems. And it is important, and it takes a lot of time to implement these systems uh, if you haven't opened with them, if that makes sense. So going back and plugging those systems in, is much more painful than just starting day one with those. Um, but what we're working on systems-wise right now uh, is everything from the way that we hire and train people and all of our training programs to uh, the way that we're managing inventory and controlling food costs in the store and writing schedules and forecasting sales, all of the things that make restaurants profitable, uh, but they take a lot of management time and effort. And you only have so much uh, management time, effort, uh, kind of bandwidth, and so you have to take the 100 things that you could be putting into your restaurants and, uh, frankly, as we did, write them down on a piece of paper. I know what they are. It's just a question of which ones we want to do first. Yeah, that's good. You, you do. You can't do them all, and there's literally a 1,000 details to manage inside of a restaurant. You hit a couple things there that I, that I definitely want to come back to. But before we go there, let's go back in, in your history a little bit. You mentioned, you mentioned Smashburger, pretty big operation, right? So what would you say are some of the key lessons you learned uh, with those folks? Yeah, well, you know, Smashburger was – it's just a fascinating case of really fast growth. So, uh, And that's what attracted me to the company. I joined uh, when the, the brand was about four years old, and we had almost 100 restaurants. And by the time that I was there for just over five years and the concept was just about 10 years old, there were 375 restaurants. So watching a brand scale from one to 375 in, in 10 years was a great learning experience for me. 
Uh, and it did, it, it really stressed how important those systems are uh, to make sure that, that you are scalable as you grow from, from 1 to 375. So, uh, you know, a, a good learning experience. And, I, you know, I can tell you kind of what, uh, what was really critical. But uh, at the end of the day, I think part of what, what makes, uh, what made Smashburger so scalable uh, was that the entire team focused on simplifying all of our processes and nailing it from day one, as I mentioned. So the fact that we had a pretty big executive team focused on one restaurant, making sure that that restaurant was ready to roll out, was important in terms of the speed to to scale. Well, I mean, you're talking about speed to scale, and I just I just did some math, and I hope I hope I did it right, but I did. It is at 275 divided by five, which is about 50 places a year, which is like one place a week. Is that does that sound right? Am I am I did I do it right? Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest year at Smashburger was about 50 restaurants open, so one a week. And uh, yeah, so you you, uh, you really have to have it together in order to do that. And a lot of a lot of uh, being able to scale that that fast, uh, you you lean on your partners, meaning you've got kitchen equipment consolidators that can put together equipment packages and drop them off uh, all in one piece on site. And so so you're not tracking down 75 pieces of equipment when you're opening. And you've got uh, purveyors that will send an entire new store opening kit to that restaurant. So they have every single uniform and every single uh, written material that they would need. So uh, leaning heavily on your vendors that are experts at doing this uh, is really an important part of being able to uh, scale quickly. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't think about the partner aspect of it, but having having some of those pieces in place where they're ready to roll, because I, I, you hear about the, the hyper growth brands and the numbers break down like that, where a place is doing an opening a week at the end of the day. That's what it means. It's like, and and as an operator, as a just as, just as an outside person, you think about a business doing a grand opening once a week somewhere in the country. It's just a fascinating, <laughs> complex, um, you know, scenario that's happening in the background to support that. And, and uh, of course, so the lesson there is really, you know, um, partners in place that are going to want to grow with you and, and be flexible and obviously just kind of work their butt off also to um, to meet those uh, growth demands. It's very interesting. And so let's let's go a little bit further back where you know you're probably now. Well, let's go back to Let Us Entertain You, which is a great organization out of Chicago. And you were probably a younger guy back then. And is that where you kind of got your your roots and you really learn learn the business from some key guys there? What what happened What happened in, in, in Chicago land? Yeah, absolutely. I was I joined uh, full time when I was 24 years old. I had been a consultant, an, a uh, strategy and operations consultant with Deloitte before that, so I knew very little about the restaurant business. But Let Us Entertain You is a great training ground uh, for restaurant operations, and I knew that, and so I, I sought out a position with them uh, to learn from the best. And I, I think that they are just a phenomenal organization. Uh, but yeah, I showed up. I was 24 years old. They saw something in me, luckily, uh, and thought that I had the capability of running restaurants. And I had a lot to learn in a very short period of time. And uh, you know, it's uh, what, what's great about Let Us Entertain You, and I think this is a good lesson for anyone, is that they focus equally on soft skills uh, as much as they focus on training hard skills. And so. Uh, as you go through that first three months of manager training, which is uh, kind of the religion that let us entertain you, you uh, you spend half of your time figuring out, you know, how to deal with conflict with employees, or if you have a guest that's upset, 
something that you just can't uh, you can't study a textbook and learn it. You have to role play and work with the partnership that let us entertain you and and uh, and really get into those tough scenarios where you have to uh, you know know what the answers are to difficult difficult problems. Uh, the, that's really the the core of what makes their training program great. And uh, I'll always remember going through that and learning so much from it and wanting to carry that over into any other organization that I'm working with. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and a lot of places don't get a chance or don't take the chance to do training to go through, especially through through scenarios that happen every day. I had a – we, we just started a today, I recorded the first, first in a new series called um, – called Restaurant Dirt, where we're talking about mistakes that restaurants make, and, and it might be fun to bring you on at one point, but uh, because, talk about that 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 early early learning phase, right, and, and, and in any operation, you're going to make these crazy mistakes in the business, uh, whether it's how to handle the situation, uh, maybe you get flustered and you just all of a sudden you start telling off a customer, like these things happen in, in the real world, and, and we went through a couple of mistakes that, uh, that Roger, the, my uh, colleague, uh, went through in, in growing his business, and it's fascinating as a restaurant operation when you're juggling so many details and so many people and so many aspects and every single restaurant is guilty of making these huge mistakes and some of them, you know, yeah. they can put you out of business and, and so that's kind of a fun series I and mean, we'll bring you back and, and talk about some of the learnings you had along the way and, uh, and so forth because there's, there's a lot going on but let's, let's go, um, where you guys are today and, and I want to jump around now and I want to bounce, bounce around and just and pick your brain as an industry expert that's seen a lot, that's now growing a brand and it's got a lot of stuff to think about. And, and one of the things that's, that's top of mind for me right now, and it probably is for you guys because it's going crazy and changing so much, is just the digital, social, slash mobile, everything that's going on there for restaurants. What are you guys yeah. doing in that space, and how are you thinking about where things are heading? Well, it's a huge piece of our business, and uh, it's undeniably just our growth driver for the future. Um, you know, people want the convenience of ordering, you know, simplify it down to just ordering online and starting with that piece of the digital business. Uh, it is so much more convenient for people to order online, and it makes the choice of two different restaurants very easy when you have a great platform with one restaurant and uh, you don't either don't have a platform or you have a weak platform for online ordering in another competitor. Uh, and I think the consumer just wants to go straight to hitting the easy button. And so uh, we're focused a lot right now on our online ordering platform and specifically mobile because uh, at the end of the day, I think that online ordering started as, as a PC-based or, you know, a, a desktop or laptop-based activity. And it's it's amazing to watch our numbers transfer from a heavy, uh, you know, heavy usership uh, of using your home computer to do that to everybody ordering online and so um, on your mobile phone, sorry. So our mobile devices are really what's, what's driving our sales uh, for online ordering and building out a great app that has, you know, on the one hand we have one-click ordering, uh, so you can order what you had last week uh, and it'll charge the same credit card and go to the same address and it, it literally is as easy as opening your app and hitting one button and it'll send that, that uh, order to your house. That's a game changer for people, uh, you know, in, in today's world. So uh, we're very focused on the consumer's ability to easily order from us online and, and to have that translate really well to a good experience, um, meaning that, uh, you know, it's, they get exactly what they ordered. Um, and then also kind of on the softer side of things, if you don't mind my saying, you know, it's, it's one thing just to uh, have that 
that ordering experience great, but then also the, the delivery process because that's a big piece mm-hmm. of our business. It, that has to be seamless with their order. And so uh, we've decided not to outsource any of our delivery whatsoever just because we, we don't want to entrust our brand uh, to a third party. And so uh, we deliver every single uh, piece of product that we take out of our restaurants. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, I, I was going to scratch down a bunch of notes there because I was going to ask you about a few of those things, and we'll follow up on them. And delivery was one of them because it, it's, it's kind of yeah. changing the landscape. But, but let me go back to a couple of things, one being – the aspect of folks using their mobile devices and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm whatever. I, I guess I, I don't need to say my age, but whatever. I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm early forties and so I'm more of a desktop guy, right? And, uh, but, uh, yeah. using the phone for everything else too. I haven't, I've placed some orders on mobile, but it is, my point is I kind of gravitate back to the mobile, to the mobile, uh, to the desktop where I can see everything and, but, um, but that's but that but but forget forget about where I am because where the action is is what you're talking about. People just grabbing their phones, and they feel very comfortable just just scroll scroll order add card boom and they expect everything to work. And and so as a restaurant you have to you have to answer for that audience. And and the one click ordering is really smart because what happens right? I have a favorite, you have a favorite, and like it's lunchtime and like you just want to order that thing that you always order without going through going through it again. And um, yep. so to just be able to hit one button and then it builds build my credit card, knows the address, boom, and I'm done. That's awesome. Sometimes I might be in a different place for lunch, and then I got to change it. But but I really like that, and it's smart. And I encourage you know other folks to obviously build that out. And and you guys are obviously taking it very serious and 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 so forth in terms of making sure your platform is right. I was going to ask you about delivery because you know everyone's talking Uber this and Amazon that, and, <laughs> and you know this partner is taking out this percentage, and this one is ordering in. And I always have a, I have, the, I think I have the same fear that that you have, in that okay, that it sounds great that people want to order, but I, I get nervous about who's doing that delivery and what that experience is. Um, you must let's just dig there for a little bit more. You must be getting approached by all these different vendors. Do you just it's a blanket no? Do they keep pitching you? What's what's it look like? Yeah, uh, they keep pitching us, and it's a blanket no for us. And I, I think I do think that they have an awareness though uh, that self-delivering concepts uh, will will likely stay self-delivering concepts like ours. Um, you know, it, it's it's a tough game to get into because to if you look, you know, we only have four restaurants, but uh, if you look at one of the slower days of the week at our slowest restaurant, it it's painful to offer that delivery service because you have to staff it and you have to always deliver uh, on the promise that you're setting for people. So, um, you know, it's a tough game to get into, but I will say that once you're in that game, it's uh, that there, there's a lot, there are a lot of sales to be had um, and a lot of customer satisfaction to be to to create in that space. So um, yeah, we we simply say no to everything uh, and we deliver it all ourselves. And I think that you have to just go all in on it because um, you know for us, uh, the more that we deliver, the more the more that we deliver, the easier it is, frankly. So. Uh, if you think about one of our busier restaurants on a very busy night, you know, to have six, seven, eight delivery drivers uh, means that we could probably get your delivery to you in 25 minutes from when you order. And uh, and that's fantastic, doing, you know, large number of, of uh, orders and really quick delivery times. And, um, and so it only gets better with scale, uh, your delivery functionality. And, and so you have to commit to it. You have to put marketing dollars into it. Um, and, and you have to staff it even when it's painful uh, just to make sure that you continue to build the, the scale of your delivery 
function. So that's what we're doing now, um, and it's it's working pretty well. Yeah, I, I can see that uh, the difference between the busy time and 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 the and the, and the peak time is as as an interesting struggle. And I've been on a platform where I'm about to order, and the, then the, then the thing spits out 45 to 65 minutes for your order, and I'm like, ah, oh, screw that, man. I'm just gonna make it. I'm just gonna make something at home. Like, like when it, when you hit that uh, that, yeah. that that infrastructure problem, you're like, ah, oh, damn it. So so that happens. So yeah, you definitely got an advantage there. Now let's let's kind of stay in the digital world because you're if you're, you're your audience is ordering on mobile then they're definitely uh, also have a social mindset you know there are people there are people that are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything in between what are you guys doing in that space to to engage them how often are you posting is someone dedicated to it how do you tackle the whole uh, social aspect Yeah we uh, we run social media in house currently. Uh, one of our family members is uh, is very savvy in that space, and uh, she posts. I believe she's posting about once a day, once every other day. Eventually, uh, I think you know industry standard is that you post twice a day. Uh, but for us, we we want our content to be rich, and uh, we're just not at the point where we think that we have two quality posts to make a day that are interesting to people. So uh, we'd rather go for quality over quantity and and scale up the putting out two posts a day. Um, I, I've seen other brands uh, just fulfill that minimum threshold of, of doing two posts a day with really dry content, and I don't, I don't personally know if they're doing themselves any favors by just posting another photograph of their food uh, and telling people what it is. Um, I, I just don't think it's exciting. What, what we found, we get huge reaction from, uh, you know, all aspects of, of social media is when we put something that that is meaningful uh, onto the various platforms. And so, um, you know, if we're looking for the help of our customers to make a decision in the restaurant, and that's meaningful, if we're trying to advertise that we're uh, doing something charitable, which we do a lot of, of uh, work to help our community, and, and that's what we're advertising on social media, that's very impactful. Um, but just to throw an image of one of your pizzas or a pasta or a salad up on, the, on your platform and tell people, uh, look, we have this product. It's just not uh, engaging to people. So uh, we're trying to, to creep into this space, but uh, choose quality over quantity. Yeah, I was going to use the word meaningful, and then I was going to ask you about it, but you gave a couple of good examples there. And, and when you talk about platforms, which uh, one, two, three are you looking at as to be the most important? Are you just kind of uh, trying to be as many places as you can as effectively as you can? Uh, yeah, I think the big three for us are uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. We we find that the vast majority of our customer base is on one of those three platforms. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make one other point about, you know, what it means to have rich content. So as an example, we do a lot of work fundraising for schools there that are in the communities of uh, of our restaurants. And that's we're we're deeply involved in the schools in our areas. Uh, I guess one part of it is that all of the partners in the business have uh, young school-aged children, um, and so we get uh, the importance of being, uh, you know, a good uh, member of those communities. But um, you know, it's uh, it's just a very important thing to us. Uh, you know, uh, education and ch uh, child welfare, um, and basically the the cause that we've chosen to support as a business uh, because of our families and how important it is to us. And so when we do something like uh, do a fundraiser for a school and post a picture and tag that school, it's amazing the social media response that you get 
when other parents that have their children in that school see that post and they're following that school. Um, that's how you start to, you know, pick up a little bit of heat on your posts, um, you know, getting involved with other organizations that matter to people. And so as much as I'd like to think that Michi Handcrafted Italian matters to people, and I think we do, uh, you know, we, we certainly uh, fulfill a need that they have uh, for good food, um, you know, your relationship as a parent with your child's school is going to naturally be a much more rich relationship. And so our ability to be involved in that relationship and support that relationship is what people pay attention to. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, 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 and I've seen similar examples of that in, in, in local communities where we've been. We have kids, yeah, three, three school age kids as well. And there's a lot of fundraisers taking place, as you know, and restaurants get involved and, and the tagging and the sharing, uh, can go exponential. I mean, the schools, they have, you know, hundreds of families and they're all nearby and it's a, it's a really perfect fit and, and so forth. Um, you know, what, one thing that's interesting is you're collecting all this data, uh, from you know your orders, from your from your followers, and so forth. Um, uh, is actually before I even get get to that, I mean, is email still a, an important part of your equation? You know, every once in a while yeah. people say email is fading away, but is it? Is it, I don't agree with that. But is it still a big piece for you? Do you do you guys push out some once or twice a week on email? What is your email strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do. We're every other week on email. So we have a loyalty club that's about twelve thousand members. And it's growing very, very rapidly. Uh, it's grown just organically. And uh, we use that loyalty club uh, or that loyalty email list uh, every two weeks. We'll, we'll send something out. And uh, we think it's very impactful and we just see the results. I mean, if we offer something special, uh, whether it be a coupon or uh, access to a new menu item that we're trying, something of that nature, to that, that e-club of 12,000 people, we'll get a huge response of people coming into the restaurant that day to experience it. So um, we we do think it's impactful. Uh, we've se- I've seen it personally get overused, and so we want to stay away sure. from that. And, um, and and one thing that we as a brand just don't believe in is kind of this the uh, the steep discount cycle. Um, sure. So I, I'm not a fan, and I don't think any of us are, are a fan of, of uh, sending out, you know, a BOGO coupon every week. Uh, just to pump sales up because at the end of the day, we're, we are on the higher quality end of the spectrum, uh, in terms of, of fast casual brands. And, uh, we, we think that it says something about us and the quality that we serve, uh, that we don't discount all the time. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we're careful how, how we use that. Um, sometimes, you know, we're just having fun and we'll talk about something that people want to learn about. Uh, with Italian culture or a suggestion for a certain holiday or time of year. Um, you know, so we do a mix of kind of promotion of things that are happening in the restaurant and then also just uh, relevant information for the people that are on our list. But, it, but it's always really important to treat those e-club members, uh, to, to thank them for our, their loyalty and for paying attention to what we're doing as a brand. And, and so we do a lot of uh, just special things only available to those 12,000 people. Um, you know, to thank them for uh, paying attention to what we're up to. Right, right. I, I, I like I like the way you're thinking about it uh, strategically. I um, I would certainly say that for most folks out there, and even yourself, you know, the you could you could certainly feel comfortable moving your your frequency up to once a week. I don't think anybody would would uh, would would take that negatively. But but mm-hmm. but 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 strategically, you guys are already you guys are there mentally. So whether you go with once once a week or or, or every other week. 
having it be a you know a relevant piece of content that's not always promotional that is that that has you know a call to action I think is important obviously you should be driving you know looking to drive them in there and so forth but um yeah I, I, yeah so so you guys are doing it right which is good to hear and just knowing that yeah you could you could probably even juice that a little bit more in your back pocket you know you you're not abusing them already where you know you're get hitting them four times a week and like oh man let's hit them five and then they'll they'll go crazy i mean you guys are in a good yeah. strong position with your um with your audience which is which is great to hear and then yeah, I, I published something the other day uh, on the site where uh, I was talking. It was it was a case case study of of, the, of TGI Fridays where they did something pretty sophisticated, and they took they took the data from um, an online ordering platform and pinged the people who ordered a week later. Uh, via their push, you know, like a push notification. It's, hey, you ordered last week at this time. Do you do you want to order again? You know, at the same time, your same thing. Hit 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 here to do it. I mean, pretty <laughs> fancy and sophisticated. And I got some feedback, some early feedback from some folks, and that's kind of where marketing is is going. And the article really talked about you know the artificial intelligence that they're using to do that, and the platforms and investing heavily. And you know, my spin on the article, and if people can find it on the web, was like, hey, independence. You know, look out. I mean, the big guys are like going a little bit, you know, overboard, you know, getting big data to, to, to grab, to try to grab your customers. And you guys are certainly, you know, in, in the, in the middle there, you know, looking to grow and looking to grab all your customers and not let anybody go away. So, you know, are you, are you guys, are you staying plugged into tech and what's going on and really looking for tools and tips to save money and get more customers? There must be a lot of people kind of giving you ideas on how to market to your folks. Yeah, we've got we're very lucky to have uh a couple of CMOs on our board. Uh one is uh Krista Gibson who's the former CMO of Brinker Restaurants and she's incredibly talented and a, a really good thought leader and uh you know she 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 certainly could spell out the future for us um once we scale and have the ability to mine that big data. Um you know, I don't know that we're there at four units. Certainly, I'd like to be there as we approach ten units. But, um, you know, uh, doing that work is is not cheap. Um, and uh, but it's but it's very important. I think the thing that Krista uh, has stressed to us, and she's pointed out, is that so many brands, when they're small, um, they uh, you know they'll they'll market um, they'll market to customers that they already have and play into habits that they already have. Um, and not necessarily create new occasions for them to, to dine at your restaurant or use your product or buy your product um, or not, you know, create new ideas for them. And so um, if you think about something as simple as, you know, sending a, a coupon to a neighborhood that already has loyalty to your restaurant, you're going to get so much cannibalization of your current customer uh, using that coupon for an order that they would have already made. Um, and so the question is, how can you add incremental customers or incremental uh, visits or occasions, and that's what is powerful about big data and using that data. Um, it's not, you know, you, you, you uh, it, it's just so painful uh, to take your customer base and send them a coupon and watch them all bring in the same coupon uh, when what you're right, really trying to do is change their behavior, uh, not necessarily play into their current behavior. Absolutely, you know, and I and I don't know how other people feel about this, and and the, you know, a dollar is a buck, and uh, you know, and people want to save dollars, but I always feel guilty as a customer using a coupon at a business that I already um, already do business with, 
And I, I know, I know right. that may be rare, and I just may be weird, but I think some people probably do feel that way, but, but a lot of people don't. They're like, hey, this is five bucks off. I am taking five bucks off. Um, I'll use it. I'll use it for a new business because, hey, you know, we're all rolling the dice with a new business. I'll use that 10%, 20% off. And, but, yeah, as, as a business owner, the last thing you want is to send to your, your customer that $5 off when they were, they were ready to pay regular price because they're already a customer. But, listen, at the end of the day, they're going to take the five yeah. bucks off. So you, you, do need, you do need to be well, listen, um, uh, care, careful with that. With the data, I mean, you think about the the future of where we'll be, and and we're getting pretty close to this. But uh, it makes no sense, for instance, if you have a family that orders a large pizza every single Tuesday night, and that's their habit. It doesn't really make sense to say, you know, if they receive in the mail or a digital coupon that just says half off of a pizza that you typically order. That's not very exciting, and it doesn't. It certainly doesn't change behavior. Um, but what would be great is if you could send content to them. It says, we know that you love our pizza, and we want you to try our pasta dishes because they're really good. And we've noticed that you've never ordered our pasta dishes. And so the next time that you order a pizza, uh, we will give you half off of one of our pasta dishes to try it. So something like that can be incremental. And uh, maybe maybe I'm assuming, uh, one, you know, I said once a week for that family. But let's say that they're once a month uh, ordering pizza from you, and then they decide to do a pasta night every other week. And so they become twice a month customers. That's that's really the power of using the data uh, to change behavior. So, yeah, absolutely. And for folks, uh, you know, listening or, or dialing in, if you can take a customer who's a one time a month with you customer and turn them into a two time a month customer with you, and you do that across your customer base, you've just increased your business like huge. And, and it, people think, oh, how am I going to grow my business? It's so hard. But if you think about it small like that, you know. You, even if you took 10% of your customers and increased their visits one time, you've done a lot for your business. So look for ways to increase frequency is absolutely important. Well, I want to shift gears um, and go to people because it's especially where you guys are um, in the growth phase and every restaurant out there is looking for, for great people to find them, uh, to grow mm -hmm. them, to train them. How do you think about, think about the people equation of your business? How do you find them? And um, you know, kind of what's your recipe for uh, your people recipe as you guys continue to move forward? Yeah, I think uh, that that is the most important piece of our equation uh, moving forward is just having great people. And we're in a very uh, challenging environment uh, from a restaurateur's perspective. Uh, so sitting in Colorado, we have one of the, the uh, lowest or best unemployment rates in the country. Um, and specifically in Denver, it's very low. So uh, it's very easy for somebody to find a, 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 a job in a restaurant in Denver right now for that reason, and uh, we pay attention to that. And so uh, it's really important to be a best-in-class employer in order to retain your people. Um, so we do have really good retention in our restaurants and a lot of loyalty from our team members, and uh, there are a few reasons for that. I mean, competitive pay is certainly important, but much more important uh, than that, I think, is, uh, you know, anybody can pay uh, competitively, but it's really the culture that you create and people's enjoyment of coming to work and feeling like they're a part of something. And so uh, the fact that we're growing a brand, that we want people's input, that we want your hard work to mean something uh, is important for people. And especially, you know, that the, the leaders of the future for us are, are uh, you know, uh, aspiring general managers or assistant managers. Um, you know, to, to nurture those people, to put them into a training program like I received when I was 24 years old, uh, right. that is, uh, that's really impactful. People want to be a part of those programs. They want to feel that they're learning and progressing in their career. 
and you know you can you can pay them a thousand dollars more a year or you can get them engaged and make them feel that they're um uh on a journey that that matters and it's much more impactful to put them on that journey than it is to simply wave money at people so uh, we're very focused right now on building out our training systems um, and building a bench of people that can help us open more restaurants because we will need them in the next couple of years as we scale to more locations. Yeah, and of course, one of the best ways to open a new location is with an experienced veteran uh, that you already have going. And I, I want to get I want to oh, get yeah. tactical uh, for a second with your people. Like mm-hmm. um, specifically, do you do, do you find it helpful to pull four four to six people, or whoever the crew the crew is, and, and have a ten minute meeting, or do you have every month there's an all hands on deck meeting and you talk about mm-hmm. things like this? How do you guys approach it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, we do a weekly meeting with our general managers, and it's a, a phone call just because of the spacing of our restaurants. And we talk about any open issues, and we, we uh, forecast sales and schedule labor for the next week. So we knock out all the nuts and bolts in that half hour to an hour call every single week as a GM team. Um, so that's our weekly activity. We also do a, a once-a-month get-together of our, our management team, and uh, – not only our corporate team that we have one get together for them every other uh every month but it's alternating with our gm meeting and um you know at those meetings we 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 know that they're once a month and we want to talk about something that'll be really impactful um and maybe do a little bit of training while we have everybody on site in a restaurant and so uh yeah i think it's really critical to get together as a team and to try to accomplish something and and train people and have everybody be constantly learning as we progress. So yeah, we do so those two there. things, so and there. then yeah, and that's that's kind of the group activity. And then it's really important to uh, to do some individual mentorship and um, you know do performance reviews every six months. And and you know you talk about performance reviews, which we're just building out now. But that that there's uh, it's funny that you can think of them as you know, a way to discipline your management team. And if that's what you're thinking of, it's probably wrong. <laughs> um, and so I, I just learned from Let Us Entertain You when I was there that as a manager, I looked forward to that performance review because it was my opportunity to figure out what I needed to work on to get to the next level. Um, and it was a very constructive meeting. Uh, and I really valued the insight of the people that, that I looked up to and that I, I you know, my leadership. Um, and so it was just a, a great process to go through and to feel good about. And I think that that's really important as you focus on creating that performance review system to focus on development, not just focus on, you know, the uh, the deficiencies of that manager. Right, yeah. Here's the things you did wrong, and here's how you get better, and they leave that meeting going, oh, man, this sucks. But but um, but yeah. here's what's funny, right, about life is you graduate from school or college or whatever uh, where you're, just, you're getting grades all the time and you're getting feedback, and all of a sudden you're in life and you're getting no feedback. Like you're not being told how you do. Uh, yeah. You could be at a job for a year and no one's told you anything. Like, how am I doing? I, I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, people crave that. They, you know, they, they need encouragement. They need motivation. They need direction. Some people obviously, you know, they, some people want to be pushed. And, of course, those are the people you want on your team, right? The people, hey, how do I get better? Exactly. Uh, how, how, how can I be a better teammate? What do I need to do to get to the next level? Like grab onto those people and, like, and like hug them and, and you, those, those people that can grow with you. But, but yeah, give people um, that feedback. I love that. And then the mentorship, the word you use that, just, just with that mentality of, you know, taking someone in and um, – 
and saying, you know, hey, you know, what's going on with you and where do you want to go? And, like, they don't, they don't get that. People don't, you know, get enough of that. So that, that's great yeah. that you guys are taking that approach. Well, and um, I think you'll you'll find you're, that you're going to grow grow well with that. Let me give you a tiny example, but it 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 really opened my eyes today, um, if, if you don't mind. Uh, so we every week yeah. when we get on that call that I mentioned, one of the things that we talk about is something as simple as forecasting sales and scheduling labor. And um, we, we really – so first of all, we discussed last week's results openly and publicly. And so we talk about what were sales versus what we forecasted. Are they up or down from last year? Um, how did your labor come out versus what you scheduled? Uh, you know, all of the – we discuss all of those things as a group, and we go store by store. And it's it's a little scary for people. It was really scary, I think, at first when, as a team, everybody realized that, you know, hey, we're going to be under the microscope of our, our team, our fellow general managers here, and uh, it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, but right. the good thing is that we've we've developed, you know, it, it, it's going to go one of two ways. Uh, number one is people feel embarrassed, and they're just trying to hit the number, um, and that's not what you want. But um, I think that we've what we've done is we've just motivated people and they, they feel, they feel okay no matter what happens in the week discussing it as a group and knowing that we'll support them. Uh, and if they have a problem, we'll, we'll come help them solve that problem. Um, but you know, people are really proud. It's amazing. Uh, we have a really, uh, we have a very young and, uh, and new general manager that, uh, is just a rock star and she, uh, she was so proud of her results and, and sharing that with the team this morning. Um, it just made me proud to be a part of her journey um, and, and her path to excellence. And so um, if you let people shine in that way, I think they, the right people will just, you know, have that gauntlet thrown down and pick it right up and say, I love this. I love, you know, being transparent and talking about it as a group and um, I'm ready for any challenge. So, it's been working well. Yeah, perfect example. Perfect example there, and and um and she sounds like she's going to be great. And and again, I'll go I'll go back to high school just for a second. It's like yeah, you get in the real world and you and you forget about competing. And yeah, so now these managers are looking at like oh man, I want to I want to make my numbers. I want to look good. You know, I'm competing. You know, in essence, I'm taking that mentality every day. And oh man, I know whatever day you have it on. I'm just going to say Friday for the sake of arguments. Oh Friday, man, I got to be ready to show up. And so what do we got to do all week? So so I like that mentality. And and even let's let's just I'm just break it down for listeners. If you're a one location person um build some accountability into your system where you're having you're taking those numbers and maybe you're doing it with your partner or grab another key person in your business where you guys can can look straight in the face and say man we didn't make it last week here's what we got to do and and you know and and you know these are the challenges that are ahead of us and you know don't you know some of us are guilty of not pulling up our numbers for three months at a time and then looking backwards going oh man yeah we really slacked off there but you know you guys are on it you're doing every week all right where can we go what can we do so it's a lesson for everybody to uh, pick up there and 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 look at your numbers frequently because you can't react a month at a time you got to react faster than that so i, I appreciate you sharing that that story oh, yeah. with, uh, with us and her and tail and you know i i, I want to ask you about service real quick um you know as a, as a as a fast casual brand you know um it's not you know it's not fine dining where someone can come in and and you know and upsell this and that and this and that but i don't i don't want to use that as an excuse because there's, there's got to be a tremendous amount of opportunity for your staff at any level um, and how you interact with them to uh, engage the customer, make re- make recommendations about your most profitable items, about using opportunities to upsell. What are some of the tools you guys put in place to sort of maximize that 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 opportunity? 
Yeah, let me talk about those tools because it is so critical to us. Uh, we're we're pretty different than uh, many fast casual restaurants in that we are at a slightly higher price point, and we have a lot that goes into the food and into the product. That um, you know, there's a deep history behind why we do things a certain way, and uh, you know, hundred year old family recipes and stories behind those recipes and our product. Um, and so you have to train all of those things first of all, and you you have to um, you know, make it part of the culture uh, to train on the lore of your restaurant. And so we do a lot of that. We talk a lot about our family story and our recipe stories and ingredient quality. Um, but, the, you know, the great thing about it, with our concept is that we uh, we do accept tips and people are very generous with our, our team members because we provide a lot of hospitality and, um, you know, we believe in, in that, you should be treated like you're having a casual dining experience in terms of the amount of, of uh, service that we provide, even though you're ordering at the counter in our fast casual model. So um, we have five points of service that include, you know, checking back in with the guest after they've been eating their meal at the table um, and offering to refill sodas for them at a, at a soda fountain. And it's just, it's amazing if I can just say that um, you think of something as, as simple and stupid as, can I get you a refill of of that beverage? Um, but it's shocking to people when they're sitting in a fast casual restaurant and somebody offers to walk over to the soda machine and refill their beverage for them. That's really impactful stuff. And so we do a few things like that just to break through the clutter of uh, what goes on at your average fast casual restaurant and just say, you know, we are a little different and we will go the extra mile. And luckily, um, you know, our customer base is very generous uh, tipping our employees. And our employees know that, that if they have excellent service and if they really take care of guests and suggest great things, uh, that they will just simply make more money, which is a great little feedback loop for them. So, um, But you mentioned tools. Do you want me to kind of tell you what tools we use to train on those things? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear that because, you know, I, you talk about breaking through the clutter of people and, and, and your product knowledge is few and far between it, a lot of places that you you go to. Certainly, you know, I expect it at a super high-end place, uh, but my expectations, uh, just from my experience, have fallen off a cliff lately when I go out to dinner expecting, you know, staff to do anything above and beyond, and it's becoming a frustrating experience. Yeah. And if that's for me, that's for other people. And so as a, as a restaurant, you have a, this is, you have a great opportunity to set yourself apart. So, um, yeah, you're taking that approach. What What are some of the ways you do that? Yeah, so one thing is um we do have just, you know, simple tools that uh that we use. We we put those tools in the front of the house and uh they're, you know, cards to memorize recipes and family stories and and to tell those stories. So the 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 tools are are pretty straightforward. Um but I think that one of the things that really matters is engagement, especially, you know, the, there's a lot of discussion about how you get uh, millennials engaged in providing great sure. service in, in your restaurant. So you have to engage people. And I will say that I've seen, I've seen the worst of the worst, which is, you know, you, you walk up to a point of sale and you start to ring an order in and the point of sale will tell you exactly what to say to the customer every step along the way. Um, it's right. really unengaging for, for, the, for your employee and so we pride ourselves on being really flexible and basically letting the employee own the experience that they're creating for the guest. It's really important. It's kind of scary uh, because you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth. 
um, and you can coach them to a certain extent. But we tell people it is okay to recommend your favorite thing on the menu. I don't care if it's the highest profitability thing on our menu or if it's the number one seller on our menu. It really doesn't matter to us. What matters is that you're passionate about it and that you tell people why you love it so much and that you tell a story with it or you you know, explain whose recipe it is and so on. And so I'd much rather have somebody with a smile, um, you know, uh, recommending kind of an odd, oddball menu item uh, that is not our number one seller to the guest, but with passion, than somebody just telling them that, yes, the spaghetti and meatballs are our number one seller is probably what you should order. And just saying it because the computer screen told them to. So uh, we focus much more on those intangibles and those uh, kind of soft touches with our service. Yeah, that's awesome because uh, the passion part is is a great piece of it, and and people can tell really quickly that they're either being honest and 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 not. So um, you, you don't want to you don't want to do the latter. That's funny reading it off of a, of a of a screen. This is the most important thing at our restaurant. It is terrific. You should, <laughs> I mean, like that that would that would be bad. But, would you like a um, beverage with that? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't like that feeling at all. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, I, we could we could we could kind of stay stay in there for a while. I love all that stuff. Um, I, I'm curious because I spent some time on your on your website, and um, you guys are doing a good job. And what I, one one thing I wanted to ask you about is is are some things working online for you? For example, I, I, there's three things that I that I noted that you that you that you're doing online. You know, you're asking people can uh, join the rewards program right online. Boom, that's great. Um, you, you can you can do an employment application on the site, and and so that's a way to get to get leads. What else did I see on there? Um, uh, catering leads are on there as well, so mm-hmm. as well as a contact form. So one one question I always have for restaurants because some of them are guilty of not being tech uh, as tech savvy as they should be these days is I feel like I do a contact form and it goes into the great abyss of nothingness and I never hear back. <laughs> I feel like I do a catering lead and maybe I'll get a call, you know, two weeks from now or if I fill out the employment, oh yeah, really, like they're really going to contact me. How, how serious do you guys take these things? How quickly is someone responding to a, to a, a feedback post? Hey, you know, my, my sandwich, you know, stuck today. What are you going to do about it? Um, who's on that and how do you guys look at, look at that? Yeah, we so we have uh, one team member that is responsible for responding to guest feedback, and our standard is under 24 hours to respond. And it's really important that every single person – I mean, you talk about building a brand following and how expensive it is to acquire a customer. And uh, if you can do, you know, the other activity of simply just responding to people when they have a question or an issue or anything like that, um, it's just so much cheaper to spend the time to take care of the customers that you have. Uh, and so we do that, and we, we spend a lot of focus on, uh, on that. But um, we have one person that responds to any guest feedback, and then we also have a dedicated uh, uh, full-time catering person, and uh, she's a family member, Marisa, and she responds immediately. Sometimes it's within an hour uh, to any catering form submission. So it's really important to, to be very uh, reactive to that or else people will fall off and they'll just stop ordering from you. Um, I will just share with you something interesting. We, we used to have, we used to think that the tech was the answer for catering. And so we had kind of a, a very complex, uh, catering concierge online and we thought, oh, people love technology. So they'll play around with the tech so much and, um, and then they can place their order. Um, we decided to go away from that. Uh, this pa- this uh, past year in 2017, 
and just simplify to putting them in touch with a human on the catering side mm-hmm. very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we found it to be extremely effective and our catering sales are, are dramatically increasing. So, um, you know, if it's a simple thing, like you're trying to order dinner for your family, uh, we believe that having that online system where it's really straightforward and you're really just trying to order three or four menu items and right. press go, mm-hmm. uh, that works great for online ordering. With catering, it's so much more of a complex process, and there needs to be – there's just so much more at stake. Um, there needs to be, you know, much more involvement from a human, uh, we believe. And so uh, even though we want to push even further into online ordering uh, kind of on the home-based occasion side, uh, from the catering perspective, we think that human interaction sort of can't be replaced at this at this point with that. It's a very it's a very good insight. Yeah, I'm sure the people who run the technology behind like catering ordering were like, oh man. But um, but when you think about two things about catering, and this will this you know you guys are kind of on it and, and learning, but this this kind of goes for everybody. Is listen, if I'm if I'm the user and I'm putting in a catering request. You know, guess guess why I'm doing that? Because I need a freaking answer like now because boss told me to, <laughs> yeah. to get it. So, so like yep. that's why it's important that you're that you're that you think you said Marissa, uh, Marissa is she's on that because I I will lit, I, I'm going to go to the next person and I'm going to go to the next one. Oh yeah. Wants. So, so you, me, you wait me, ten me, minutes and huge. you think, gosh, I, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. I waited ten minutes. I sent this form in and uh, I haven't heard from anybody. Yeah. So. I'll give my $1,000 order to uh, to Johnny's or whatever. You know, I'll just keep moving on. Exactly right. And then it's funny, but your other point is, yeah, okay, so now now I'm in charge of making the order for, for the for the business, and there's you know I'm ordering for 16 people, and it's a special event, and then, yeah, yeah, I, I can check boxes on a form, but now it's like, oh, no, like I, I, you know, I want some cookies, but some brownies, but there's no option online to do that, and I need sandwiches yeah. split. And it's like, yeah, you really want, you want to talk to a person, so – so there's a couple yeah. of interesting interesting lessons for 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 folks, but you, you know, and and then just just a great profit center too. I mean, you've got the infrastructure, oh, yeah. you've got you gotta you know you've got to be using every way to build your sales. You can't just let people walk in. You can't just do takeout. You can't just do catering. You've got to do it all as part of your equation. And so, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure your businesses uh, love to take the catering orders, but you got yeah you got you got to hold their hand. You got to give them great service. You got to give them the extra napkins or whatever or plates or little things like that make yeah. a difference too you get the thing in your business forks or something yeah we we focused on that uh at the end of last year we uh we implemented just a simple catering checklist uh that has every single detail of a catering order it on it and the whole idea is we don't want to make a single small mistake um and we treat those catering orders like gold and so if we told somebody if we asked somebody if they'd like to uh, have plastic utensils with their catering order, and, and they said yes. We better deliver on that promise. Uh, and something as simple as having a spoon to to use for the dressing that you delivered to them, uh, you know, you forget that spoon, and it has an impact on people's experience. So um, it's really important to spend that extra time. You know, I think people take they 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 uh, take it for granted that they're getting that thousand dollars of of revenue, and it's oh, how great is this? It's it's. Uh, it's so easy, and they don't spend the extra time and attention that's required to hold on to that customer because that customer requires flawless service um, because it's sometimes their job on the line to make sure that that goes well. So that's right. Important. No, that's right. You you you, you nailed it, and, and it's the little details that, that matter, especially in those situations. Now, let's let's uh, kind of one of the last things we'll talk about here is is franchising because that's where you guys are going, and as you grow. 
Um, we, we touched on it in the, in the very beginning, but, but, but here, let's, let's talk about it. You are probably, I think I might have even seen it on your site, you know, taking inquiries for franchisees. All right. So, mm-hmm. so what, what do you what do you look for in an ideal franchisee? What, who who is that person? How do you go through the process of identifying them? And then, obviously, so at some point, you got to turn turn the keys over to somebody. What's going on? I think it, uh, luckily we have a bunch of industry vets involved in our brand. And uh, in the early days of franchising, I, I very much want to focus on using relationships that we already have uh, with operators that we already know and trust to go build franchise units. And uh, just to protect the brand in the early days when it's really critical uh, launching into new parts of the country uh, or new states uh, to protect your brand, uh, you know, that you you don't get a second chance to make that that impression uh, with those new units that you open. So uh, I do believe in franchising with people that I know um, in the early days. And uh, for me, you know, a few different things make a great franchisee. Uh, but none is more important than their ability to operate really well. And uh, so I know that, that, you know, different brands look for different things from franchisees. Uh, there are other things that you might think about, like uh, their ability to build restaurants uh, and, and their background in that, their ability to uh, finance those restaurants and what their capital position is. But at the end of the day, you can look at all those different things, and if they're not a great operator, it's not going to go well. <laughs> so, um, especially, you know, with a brand like ours, it's a little bit more complex uh, than rub- running a, you know, a sandwich shop. And um, and we have, you know, more hospitality involved in the higher quality products. Uh, those things take a serious operator to, to run them really well. So uh, for us, we're focused on finding the right operators as the critical uh, word, not the right franchisees, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that it does make a lot of sense, and especially in that early stage, you don't want to you don't want your uh, two out of your first three uh, new partners to go and to not work out. And like, oh man, you're looking, you want some, you want to hit some home runs early on with folks, and 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 yeah, the, picking those mm-hmm. people and using those relationships is going to be a good a good tool to do that. Let me let me put you on the spot for a second. Um, you're in Denver now, but uh, I know you spent time in Chicago. I'm not sure where you grew up. So what is uh, what's your favorite uh, sports team? Uh, what, what do you who are you rooting for now? Well, I, I'm still a Cubs fan, but I'm a Broncos fan too. So it's hard, you know. I I spent a lot of time uh, near Wrigley in Chicago, so you, you, I went to a lot of Cubs games, and um, it's you can't get that out of your blood. So uh, so I still wear my Cubs hat around Denver, even if I take some yeah. flack for it. But uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching the Broncos. A uh, bunch over the last five years. It's been a f- fun five years since I've lived in Denver to watch the Broncos. So, uh, so those are kind of my two big teams. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No. But, listen, uh, I've been. I've only been to one game at Wrigley, and that was enough to understand what you're talking about. The feeling there is unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, of course, Denver has a great fan base, and they they love their Broncos. Tough tough year this year, but they've had they've had a good run, and I know they're going to fight to get back with. Uh, Mr. Elway leading the, leading the charge. He'll find, he'll find a way right. to get you, you can't back. Win, you can't You're, win every Super Bowl, so it's fine. You know. <laughs> I, I know. Listen, I'm a Patriots fan. I understand this. I feel like we're supposed to win no, every single okay, one. There you go. <laughs> you know, and we're there. Hey, it's, you know, there was thirty. There was thirty teams that were sitting home watching that game. So we were there. It was a good game. That's right. Came down to the last play. So that's that's as exciting as it gets. So. 
we uh, we were a little bit spoiled uh, with uh, with our Patriots lady, but um, this was awesome. You you were, you were terrific. You shared tons of stuff. I, I hope folks. I mean, I took, I literally took two pages of scratch notes here. I got a lot of stuff. If anybody listening, I, I hope you did as well. Uh, but one one thing we didn't hit on, and that's me being guilty. We uh, where can folks uh, find you online? Where can they find you in re- in the real world? Tell tell them where they can find you guys. Yeah, so uh, we have four locations in Denver. Uh, one downtown, one in Stapleton Highlands Ranch, and also on Colorado and 7th. So that's if you're in the Denver market. And then you can find us online at michiitalian.com. That's M-I-C like Charlie, I, italian.com. Good. And from the, from the main home page, they can get to stuff like Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can always email me at Elliot with two L's and one T at michiitalian.com. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. My <laughs> sister is out in Elizabeth, which is in the suburbs there. I'll have to tell her that when she gets downtown and or, or wherever she is to check you guys out. And the next time we're out that way, I, I want to do so as well. Again, Elliot, awesome, awesome stuff. I appreciate love you sharing it. with us. We'll get this out. Um, uh, super lessons that you can learn about operating your business. It is a challenge to grow out there today. you got to do all these pieces. We talked about marketing. We talked about digital stuff, people. Uh, service, all these things you got to do. You got to do them all. You got to do them all right now to to do well. So I really appreciate you taking Absolutely. the time to uh, spend with us today. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Good, good, awesome. Again, all right, perfect, folks. This has been Jamie Oigel from RunningRestaurants.com, along with Elliot Schiffer from Michi Handcrafted Italian. Thank you so much for listening, and all the all the best for your restaurant business.